and we appreciate all your ministries and giving and helping us to reach missionaries for well over 60 years. And uh, we're excited about that. We appreciate Brother Dan Saldana as he invests a lot of time and effort and energy and prayer and giving. And he knows uh, these, most of these missionaries personally. And we just are excited about that. Uh, Sunday morning is a good time to go to church. You get to enjoy the blessings of the Lord, the singing, the preaching, the ministry. Uh, but there are so many ways that we can connect here at the church. And one of those ways is on Sunday morning at 945, we have what is called the life group. The life group at 945. Uh, at this particular time, we're talking about uh, the end time, the signs of the end time. And we're using Dr. David Jeremiah's book along with other things that... Uh, we are talking about one of the things that, in fact, we'll do this next Sunday morning at 945, is uh, the, the, the tool that Satan uses in the last days. And over and over again in the New Testament, uh, the scripture warns us about deception. Deception. And there are a lot of people that are being deceived. There are a lot of people, if they're not careful and do not have the spirit of discernment and know the word of God, it is so easy to become de uh, deceived. And so we'll, we'll be talking about that uh, next Sunday morning at 945 in the fellowship hall. You get a chance to come. We, we don't just lecture. We talk. We discuss back and forth. We have our hot tea. By the way, are those donuts sugar-free? Why are you laughing? I can't have sugar. I know donuts aren't sugar-free, but we'll have probably some sugar-free cookies or something. And, uh, but we, we want you to be part of that. So uh, if you will. And then on Friday night, we have, every Friday night, we have prayer. And it is a wonderful, wonderful time. It's an hour of prayer from 7 to 8. Now, you're, you're not spending that whole hour talking to the Lord. You're, you're spending an hour just kneeling, worshiping God, and then listening to him. You walk around and kneel wherever you want to. So that, that's at uh, 7 o'clock on Friday night. And, and then on Wednesday night, we, our Wednesday nights are just blessed. We have the whole family that comes out on Wednesday night, uh, the children, the youth, and then, of course, the adults. And one of the great things about Wednesday night, we have what is called the Barnabas ministry, the ministry of encouragement. We have folks to come, they pray, and then they go out uh, in the community. They go out to the hospitals, the rest homes, the shut-ins. And so that's just a great time. We believe in connecting. It's one thing to come to church and shake hands and smile and say, it's so good to see you. It's something else to spend some time with each other. So we encourage you, if you will, to be part of that. This morning is going to be a very special morning. In fact, this is our baptismal time, water baptism. And so we're excited about that. Uh, I'll plan on finishing this sermon about quarter till. Don't look at your watches. But uh, I will try to finish around quarter till 12, maybe even 20 minutes till 12. And it'll give us time to get uh, the candidate for baptism, changing clothes or whatever, and uh, we'll be ex just re be rejoicing because of this great, wonderful that God has left us, not only communion, but water baptism. So uh, if you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. I want you to have one of these 
lift your hand and Brother Steve will make sure you get one and uh, follow through because we remember a whole lot more of what we read than what we hear. So please uh, follow me with the outline because water baptism is so very important and I want to read you the occasion where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. If nothing else, just reading this scripture and uh, seeing what took place at the baptism of our Savior. And then we'll discuss a few things and then we'll have our water baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, Listen now. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then verse 4 says, Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was doughnuts. No, I'm sorry. But it was locusts and wild honey and uh, grasshoppers and wild honey. And then Jerusalem, look at number 5, all Judea and the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore bear fruits, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham and our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit, that's singular, do not, does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, John says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill, and I love this statement, thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove alighting upon him. The last verse, verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. We pray, Father, that you speak it to our hearts as well as to our ears. In Christ's name, amen. 
Water baptism, the baptism of Jesus by John. If you will, notice Roman numeral number one. This is so important. And I took this from All Men of the Bible by Herbert Lockyer. Notice what he says. With the appearance of John, we have the barrel of the old dispensation and the emergence of the new. We seem to see his rugged figure standing with arms outstretched. As one with one hand, he takes the Old Testament and with the other holds the new, who through his ministry makes the transition from the law to grace. Someone said that John espoused a nation to his lover and stepped aside. John the Baptist was an amazing person. He had a powerful voice. He was very, very effective. I, I, I have a feeling sometimes on those mountainsides as he was teaching that his voice was almost like thunder. And what he said was very moving. But notice what we have listed here. The message was repentance. Now, I know that's sort of uh, old-fashioned, but his message was the same, certainly, as it was with Jesus Christ. In fact, in Matthew 4, 17, from that time when Jesus came out, and his, began his ministry, began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is a decision. Notice what it is. Repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which, is to, which in turn leads to a change of person and a change certainly of action. And as I just read, Jesus announced the same message. John the Baptist and Jesus Christ himself preach the same message. Repentance means to love our Savior more than we love our sin. One of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, is chapter 51 of Psalms. I, 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 I have read it often. I enjoy reading that chapter let me bring you up to where David is writing this chapter, writing this scripture. Uh, as most of us know, he was the greatest king of Israel, but David sinned. He disobeyed God, committed adultery, had someone killed, and uh, he tried to keep it a secret. But there was a prophet by the name of Nathan. Nathan came to David and told him about a little story. And when he finished, he revealed David's sin that he had committed. And uh, David there and then was godly sorry of all the sin that he committed. And he writes his repentance in this 51st Psalm. It is well worth reading over and over again. It challenges you and I. It challenges us to come before God with repentance, with an open heart, asking God to cleanse us, asking God to forgive us, and truly and honestly and, and openly repenting before the Lord. When David was con uh, confronted with about his uh, sin, he was willing to 
forgive, to ask God to forgive him. Notice number four, the implications of biblical repentance are threefold. First of all, there is the renunciation and the reversal. There's no need of repenting if we don't change our lives. It means turning and going another direction. It means being godly sorry. Also, it means submission and teachability. We're living in a day when we want no one to teach us and tell us anything. We know everything. <laughs> we act like we do sometimes. But a Christian, a believer, a person that's really and truly asked the Lord to forgive them and repented, they want to know, God, teach me your ways. Show me your ways. I'm open to what you're saying. I have, hopefully we all have a teaching or teachability. Notice also a continual shape ability. You remember the story in the Bible in the Old Testament, the potter and the clay, how that the potter took the clay and that soft clay, he molded it and fixed it and made it into what he wanted. That's what we need to tell Jesus. Lord, my character sometimes, my, my life sometimes, my ways sometimes certainly aren't pleasing to you. You shape me. You form me. You make me in the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. God wants us to display the same characteristics that Christ displayed when he was on this earth. And the only way that we can do that is through the power of God and the grace of God. And then we find ourselves failing so often, but God forgives us. So we find John the Baptist. We find John's message, his repentance. And then Jesus is baptized. He wasn't baptized because he committed sin. For he had, he had committed no sin. Notice what we have. He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, which means to accomplish God's mission. He came. Listen to this. And if he had to do this, pray to the Father often. If he had to ask the Father and he worked to please the Father, so will you and I. He was on a mission and it was God's mission. He was confessing sin when he was baptized on behalf of the nation as Nehemiah confessed his sins, as Moses confessed his sins. I love Daniel over in captivity yet, but he prayed such a powerful prayer. Daniel is recorded in the book of Daniel. And he confessed the sins of Israel and he cried out to God for forgiveness. And I believe every saint of God today as we come and one of the things we do on Friday night is we kneel around the altar, just lay out before the Lord. We confess the sins of this nation. It needs confessing. From Washington to, to the state capitals to the city government, our nation needs prayer and our nation needs to repent before God. I'm looking for the time when Nancy Pelosi would walk up to Donald Trump and hug his neck. I mean, our nation needs to repent and turn from its wicked ways. There is so much dissension. There's so much hate and bitterness and unforgiveness. God have mercy. And that's what Jesus was doing and confessing the sins on behalf of, of the nation. He was showing support for what John was doing. And number four, he was inaugurating his own personal public ministry. 
That's why he was baptized. Not because he was a sinner. Not because he had committed sin. He wanted to show forth these qualities. The water baptism. Acts chapter 8. Look at verse 38 and 39. This is one of the most beautiful descriptions of water baptism. There was a spiritual leader in the New Testament book of Acts by the name of Philip. Philip was a godly man. Philip was in a tremendous revival. I mean, people were being saved. People were being delivered. God's hand was on him and the congregation. And many people were coming to hear Philip preach. And their lives were being transformed by the power of God. And one day God said to Philip, Philip, I want you to go to a desert place. Now, wait a minute, God. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well here. I mean, things are going well. Don't mess it up. I want you to go to a desert place, a deserted place. Philip was obedient to the Lord, and he went. And there was an Ethiopian that was riding in a chariot. And God told Philip, he said, I want you to run and catch up with that chariot. God's always wanting us to do what we do. He wants us to get to it and, and, and go ahead and be obedient to him. So Philip ran and he was run, running along beside of the chariot. And the man sitting in the chariot was reading from the book of Isaiah. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand? I have no man to teach me. And so Philip gets in the chariot and they go on down. And Philip reveals to him the truth of the gospel. And that man was changed. That Ethiopian man was changed. And all of a sudden, they came across a body of water. And the man says, what hinders me now from being baptized? So the chariot stopped. Both Philip and the Ethiopian got out of the chariot. Look at Verses 38 and 39. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down, down into the water. And he baptized them. Verse 39. And when they came up out, they came up out of the water. The spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. There's something about being obedient to the Lord. There's something about being baptized, whether it's baptism, whether it's communion, whether it's repenting, whether it's receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's something about obeying God that brings rejoicing to the soul. And I hope we obey God in this place today. Because I believe this. Listen to me. I believe God's going to speak to every one of us in some measure. Maybe through the words I'm saying. Maybe through the songs that the team sung and that we sung here today. Maybe through some prayer. Maybe through some ministry. Or even maybe through this baptismal service. God's going to speak to you. Especially if we're open to him. Let's have our spiritual ears open. Then we might be able to hear him. So baptism. Water baptism. Notice Notice, if you will, the five things we have here. Very important. First of all, it's a command. It is not a take it or a leave it. And it's recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verses 8 to 18 through 20. It was part of the Great Commission. What a baptism was. When Jesus commissioned his disciples and told them what to do and preach and and. Water baptism was included in that. It's a command. Second of all, it's an outward show of an inward 
experience. In other words, you see this ring? Me wearing that ring does not make me married. Me wearing this ring shows you that I am married. And that's what water baptism does. Water baptism don't, don't save you. You can go down a wet center and come up a wet center. But water baptism testifies to those that are here, to those that will witness it. And water baptism shows to the world, I have been changed. I've met Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He has changed my life. So water baptism is a command. It's an outward show. A baptism of repentance. It does not, as I just said, remit sin. But it shows that you and I have been buried with Christ, spiritually speaking, buried with Christ, and we've been raised to a new life. It is a baptism of identification with Christ. This is one of my favorite ones. Water baptism is an identification with Jesus Christ. Jesus came. He lived. He was crucified. He was buried. The third day, he rose again. It shows that we, the old fleshly man, the carnal man. How many of you know we need to deal with that carnal man? That sinful nature that came because of the first Adam. You and I. And yet... There is that change. There is that transformation. I love that word. There is that transformation. Every believer, every, every born-again believer, they have been transformed. It's wonderful. If you've never experienced it, try it. You'll like it. It's wonderful. It is showing forth an identification through Jesus Christ. It shows that we have salvation, that we've been born again. And that's important. If you're here today, listen to me. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You need to do that. Being born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you need to be born of the Spirit. Brother Don, you believe in all that stuff now? You know, we quit preaching that years ago. Oh, no, we don't. I love the song that Matt and them sung this morning. Oh, the glory of the cross. The cross, the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ. I don't like for you folks to talk about the blood. The Bible says, Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It's an identification with Christ. And it shows we are united with Christ in the likeness of his death, in the likeness of his burial, and in the likeness of his resurrection. And I'm going to tell you, when you come up out of that water and you know you've been obedient to God... I'm not going to say you're going to feel electricity. I'm not going to say you're going to, I'm not going to say you're going to feel anything but just getting wet. But I will tell you this, there's a change. And most people just rejoice. Walking in obedience to God. Walking in obedience to God. That's the important thing. Notice our last and then we'll close. The Bible says in uh, Revelation chapter 2. In verse 5, listen to me. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It's a little wordy, but it's good. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. So remember the heights. This, this is the church of Ephesus. That God, listen to this. Let me give you this. God speaks well of this church. 
You find this in the first part of Revelation where John the Revelator is writing these seven churches and one of them is Ephesus. And he said, listen, I know you works. I know you patience. I mean, a lot of good things about this church. But he said, I have somewhat, somewhat against you. You have left your first love. Could we, could we be a little honest today and say maybe we've left some of our first love? I was nine years old when I got saved. I thought everybody in the world was going to get saved. I was so excited. I went running down to, uh, we drove down, and then I went running out of the car and an old 54 Chevrolet and ran up the steps of my granddaddy's Pine Ridge service station. And I thought everybody, I was telling everybody. It was a glorious time. Salvation, knowing Christ, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is nothing like it. My wife and I got married. It was raining. I mean, it was pouring rain. I got this picture of her looking out of the window of the car. She's got the biggest smile on her face. She knew what she had. That's a happy time. When you, when you get married, oh my, it's a, glorious, it's a glorious time when you buy a new house. We bought a new house in American Village on Talcott Street. It was two stories, three, four bedrooms, three and a half baths. I thought I had arrived. A little old boy from Sampson County lived in our house. We lived in in Sampson County. Didn't have an underpinning in it. And you could crawl under there and keep cooling in hot summertime. Of course, chickens and pigs and and uh, dogs. I mean, they were all under there with you, you know. But but I'd rather talk. Then we bought this house over on, built this house over on Emerald Road Drive, and I said, "Boy, hallelujah! I have arrived." There's nothing. You can buy a house, you can get married, you can get a new job, you can get a great raise, but there is nothing like being introduced to Jesus Christ. That's a good place to clap your hands. And what baptism says is that this man, this, this, this woman, this young person, they have met Jesus Christ and they know him as their personal Savior. Let me finish. I gotta hurry up. Brother Michael is gonna kick me on my shin. He's gonna be. I'll just preach right on the 12 and then I'll pack my bags and go to get me some chicken. <laughs> look at, look at, he says, let me finish reading. I never did finish reading. So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek. God's will. Somebody say amen. Seek God's will, not your will, and do the works you did at first when you first knew me, God, the Lord says. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact, from its place unless you repent. He said, I want you to go and do your first works over. I think Finest Day can, and many of their commentaries, I think they believe that this is go back and do your first works. And one of those is, is, is to re, be rebaptized. If you have ever known Jesus Christ, 
and you have backslid on him, gotten away from the Lord. Jesus said in the Old Testament, he was married to the backslider. I'm glad. But if you've really backslid and gotten away from God, and today you're saying, you know what? I, I, I might want to get baptized again. I want to get baptized again. Let me tell you what we did this morning. We have one person that's planning to be baptized. But I got a feeling there's more people that when I finish, or maybe even during this service, you think, I just don't know. Maybe I need to be baptized again. We got some nice big towels. We got 11. So if 11 of you want to get baptized, we got these. I mean it. I'm serious. We got these nice big towels. When you come up, out of, come up out of that water, the assistants will help you wrap that towel around you. It's not cold outside. It's nice. You can have that towel. You can keep the towel. You might want to get baptized just to get a free towel. I don't know. But if during this time something happens inside, and you say, I know I've, I've gotten away from God. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I'm not talking about, we all, every day we say things. But I'm like, you just really got away from God, the church, fellowship of God's people, the fellowship of God. And you say, I need to go, I need to go again. I want you to do that. Don't you let nothing hinder you. Look at number two. Immersion is the biblical way to be baptized. That's the reason I put emphasis on Philip and the eunuch going down into the pool of water. Coming up out of the water. The Bible says Jesus went into the water. He came up out of the water. Baptism, that's, that's what the word baptism means. It means to be immersed. And if you were sprinkled as a, as a child, as a baby, an infant, and you, you didn't know what you were doing, of course, at that time, and you've thought of it since, you know. But if you're satisfied with your baptism, that's between you and God. But if you say to yourself, hey, I want to, I have here written a little something here. A person should be aware and understand and understand this Christian sacrament. Now, I'm not too sure I understand it all. But if you, you, you need a general understanding of what you're doing. And we've walked through these points. So, number three, if a, if a believer, no, let, let me go. Oh, baptized the baby. I got, I've covered them all. Remember, repent, and be baptized. I've explained it. I hope it's, it, that you can understand it and know the importance of this wonderful, wonderful experience with God. It's a great testimony to the world. It's a great testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Brother Matt, with the team, come. Bow your heads as we pray. Now, Father, I thank you for water baptism. I thank you because you included that into our steps of obedience. You included that for us to follow up. And Jesus, I want you to be my example. I, I want to make sure I'm baptized. Lord, I, I just believe that you will do something in our lives today. I believe you will do something in our lives today. Touch every mom, every dad, 
every young person in this place. Lord, I can preach a message. We can read the scripture. But the Holy Spirit needs to speak to our hearts. Speak to every heart here today. If there's one person that does not know you, that's never repented truly and accepted you of their, as their Savior, I pray that they will here today. And when they do that, let them know that they've passed from death unto life. And Lord, if Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, he'll tell us today, you must be born again. We want to do that. I'm going to give you just a moment to talk to Jesus yourself. Don't let me do your talking. You talk to him. You speak to him right out of your heart. You say, Brother Don, I'm not sure I know how to pray. Listen, just like talking to a friend, just talk to him. He's here. He's present. He hears you. Now, Father, the words, your words, the word has gone forth. You said it would not return void, but it will accomplish that that you sent it forth to do. We believe that in this place today. And for God, for those that have talked to you and, and maybe things right, made, made things right. God, maybe they use words they shouldn't use. Maybe they've been led by habits that they shouldn't have. Maybe their lifestyle has not been according to the scripture. God, I pray that you let them know again, as I said, that they've passed from death and the life. And we believe that. And we ask you now, Lord, as we come into this part of the service where baptism will take place, we pray your blessings upon it. We pray, God, that you might bless each family, each home, touch every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me. Thou Lord. Now we hope every one of you will stay for this baptismal service. It won't take long. But if you must go, thank you for coming. What we're going to do now is take a five to six minute break. We're going to take a five so to give uh, time for the preparation. And I want you to fellowship someone. Turn to someone and say, it's so good to see you in the house of the Lord as we prepare for the baptismal service. <laughs>